with part one. And I want to begin uh, just with uh, uh, some words from a man uh, from Bangladesh. He says, I have lost my job for my faith. People are disgusted by me. Everyone ignores me. No one wants to accept me. I'm rejected everywhere. That's a man named Shalman uh, from Bangladesh who found Jesus earlier this year, but because of the risks associated with following Jesus in his community, he didn't tell anyone to begin with. Um, But uh, eventually news came out of his conversion. And uh, I've read about this on uh, the Open Doors website, which uh, talks about... uh, the stories of many persecuted Christians across the world. But when that story came out, locals beat uh, Shalman violently. His parents begged him to abandon his faith. Uh, He refused. He lost his job. He was outcast in his community. What do you think you'd do in that situation? Uh, Shalman, he knows that our, our hearts are made to know and trust Jesus. And so he clings on to that trust uh, even when uh, things are really tough. I hope that's what I'd do. Not many of us here have faced uh, such intense temptation to explicitly deny Jesus. But we do face situations again and again uh, that give us opportunity either to trust in the God we know from the Bible or to trust in something else. You might recall that's the decision Ahab was faced with last week when he came to that parting of the ways. Would he Uh, Worship the true God or worship the the false God, Baal. Our hearts are made to trust and worship God. That's what what real life is about. And the situations we're in again and again reveal our hearts. Jesus uh, tells us that people are like trees. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit. No bad tree bears good fruit. You don't get uh, figs off thorn bushes. You don't get grapes off briars. There's a consistency between what's inside and what comes out. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the, the Christian life begins with an admission of our fundamental distrust uh, of God, our sin, and a plea for Jesus to be our substitute and make it right. But then all through the Christian life, we're faced again and again with opportunities to put that trust into action, uh, to to flex that muscle, to grow in faith, to bear fruit, to, uh, I guess to put it the other way, to to resist the temptation not to trust, uh, but instead to trust God. And we rarely face a situation like Shalman, as explicit as that here where we live, uh, where the temptation is to fear people more than God, perhaps, and then publicly deny him. But we do face crises uh, that show us up uh, for what we trust. Uh, Perhaps the crisis is when we're physically unwell, um, in pain, injured, bodily, uh, in discomfort. When the temptation might be to give ourselves over to, to fear, to become bitter about the world, bitter towards God, perhaps, to lash out at those who we we might think are to blame. All signs of distrust in God. Or perhaps it's when we receive terrible news or are are touched by the death of someone that we know and love and we're gripped by grief. And then the temptation is in that moment to perhaps doubt God's goodness, to perhaps assume that actually, no, we're we're alone and uncared for. And of course, there's the the big times of crisis and then there's just the day-to-day where we face similar temptations. 
In the moment of crisis, in each day to day, what we need is to keep trusting, keep loving the God who made us. And the wonderful thing is that God gives us what we need to do that for these very moments. God the, the Father is merciful and grows us with his, his discipline. God the Spirit connects us with him and, and changes us bit by bit. But our focus for this series is going to be on the Son, Jesus, who became truly and fully human and has experienced temptation just like us. Now listen to the, uh, these verses from, from Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Jesus allows us to approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Uh, us serial distrusters of God, whose hearts are naturally turned against him, to be welcomed into his presence. That's where you are if you, if you put your trust in Jesus. But he also helps you hold firmly to that trust through, through all of life. How? Well, in, in this passage, it's, it's because Jesus knows what it's like. He's experienced weak, weakness exactly as we do. Jesus is, is more human than any of us. He knows exactly what it's like to be in the most difficult, the most trying, the most full of need situations that we could ever find ourselves in. The ones where you're most tempted to distrust God, but he didn't sin. You might think that that experience might make him fed up with, with our failures. But no, this passage tells us he feels sympathy for our weaknesses. So that gives us confidence to approach God and in the last sentence of that passage receive mercy when we fail and grace to help us in times of need we receive mercy and continue to receive mercy as we go through our Christian lives and it's not a begrudging forgiveness Jesus knows our weakness and so he he uh, is sympathetic in his mercy but also we get grace to help us in our times of need at God's throne, we get what we need to help us in those moments of crisis. There's a similar concept in Hebrews chapter 2, a little earlier in that same book. It says, talking about uh, the, the human high priests of the nation of Israel, well, because he himself uh, suffered when he was tempted. Sorry, no, this is talking about Jesus. I got a bit confused there. This is talking about Jesus. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So Jesus himself experienced the suffering of the intense temptation not to trust God, the genuine battle, and didn't sin. And so what does that mean for, for us in our moments of temptation not to trust? Well, that's what this series is about. It's about the marvellous gift that God has given us to help, a saviour who is fully human, who understands us, who's been where we are. It's about appreciating how wonderful Jesus is in his own example of enduring trust for God, but also fixing our eyes on him and in him finding grace to help us in our times of need. Now that's what we're going to be looking at um, in just a moment. So we're going to hear a couple of uh, Bible readings to help us with that. I'm going to welcome Gabriel back up uh, to read for us.
Today's Bible readings come from two different chapters in Luke's Gospel. The first is from Luke chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. The second passage comes from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 46. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Gabrielle. And we're uh, entering part two. Hopefully the sequel is at least as good as the original. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, over this series, we're um, looking at different types of uh, times of need that we find ourselves in. I'm going to start with a, a story um, about a time when I was, well, I, I'm not exactly sure, I think it was the first year or second year of uni, and um, it was during the mid-year holidays, and I, I just got knocked out by sort of a flu, and I, I think we could generously call it a man flu. Um, <laughs> I guess it was almost an adolescent flu. Anyway, it was a man flu. And I was, was kind of lying on the couch at my parents' place, just completely knocked out, fuzzy head, uh, just feeling full of, um, you know, flu and phlegm and all of that. And I didn't go to the doctors. I don't know why. But I just felt, I, I just felt really low. And I found myself, it was, it, it was by no means a, an intense kind of physical suffering, but it was real nonetheless. And I found myself praying prayers to God to, to, to fix me up, to help me 
as, as I was ill, I wanted not to feel this way anymore. But then as I did that, pretty soon I, I found myself wondering, is God listening at all? I'm still, I'm still feeling terrible. It feels like he's not listening. Why aren't I feeling better? And then I started thinking, you know, is he even there at all? I became more and more sulky and, and self-consumed uh, in that moment. And that's, that's obviously a relatively small discomfort for me. But at that time, that physical pain, that difficulty was enough to, to rattle my faith. It was enough for me to fall prey to the temptation, to distrust what I knew to be true of God. The temptation was there to turn on God, to, to kind of get curved in on myself, and, and that's what I did. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that before, uh, and if you have, I don't know what your response to God was like. Perhaps it wasn't losing hope or kind of looking inward like me. Perhaps it was more to, to lash out. Perhaps you just felt angry or frustrated, uh, maybe at God or, or perhaps whoever it was that caused how you were feeling. Uh, to, maybe you wanted to take things into your own hands. But, you know, this, this kind of crisis, this time of need, being in, I guess, bodily discomfort, physical pain, it's something we all come to uh, at some point or another. Perhaps you have experienced something in the past and, and you can remember it well. Maybe you're even still kind of smarting from that. Uh, you could be in the midst of something right now. You could be feeling absolutely fine right now here today, but, uh, but something like this will come. The way of our, our broken world means that, that slow decay and ultimately death, that's, that's what, what awaits each of us. That's the time of need we're talking about today, uh, being in, in, in physical pain, a little bit like my example. And as we look at this, I want us to grow in our respect for and our love for Jesus because of how he comes at it and also grow in our ability to follow him through our own experiences of it. And so we're going to um, start by looking at those two passages in Luke, uh, the one, I guess, about Jesus' experience and then the one about how he responds to someone uh, having that experience. So we're going to look at the second passage first, uh, Jesus on the cross. And of course, the, the result of Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection for us is the defeat of sin and death. It's the key to the, to the mercy that God gives us for when we fail to trust him and the key to the ultimate uh, banishment of physical affliction from the new heavens and the new earth. That is, that is glorious. But this morning, I don't want to focus so much on the result right now, but on the, the experience that Jesus had. He, he suffered. He felt. He was, he was crucified as a human being. So we see that he, he knows what it's like, and he also shows us how to deal with it. He, he knows what it's like. It probably goes without saying that crucifixion was a painful experience. Uh, it's pretty striking in the Gospels, actually, that the the, the writers don't really focus on this aspect. Uh, you may have seen the movie uh, The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. That certainly does focus on that aspect, rated R for violence. Um, but uh, while the gospel writers don't focus on that, uh, it, it, it nonetheless would have been a, a very uh, uh, painful and uh, physically and, and mentally draining experience. And that's what Jesus suffered. The human being who rose from the dead suffered that. 
And though we've not been crucified, though Jesus doesn't know what it's like to have a a broken leg exactly, he never experienced that exact thing, he knows what it is to, to go through and feel pain, intense pain. He understands in depth that category of experience. He's the one we worship. So he knows what it's like, but he also shows, he shows us uh, that right in the depths of these experiences, it's possible not to sin. It's possible to keep trusting God. The temptation for him would have been perhaps to lash out at those who were spinning lies to see him killed or those who were spinelessly mocking him from a distance, uh, who even goaded him to come down from the cross to save himself. Or perhaps to lash out at those who were actually nailing him to the cross, people who were following orders that they probably knew were unjust. But even though he had the power, he doesn't take justice into his own hands. No, he, he, he prays in, in verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Or perhaps the temptation would have been to, to lash out at God for letting this happen to lose hope, perhaps to doubt the, doubt the existence of a good God, a father who cares for him. Now we can see his anguish in, in the cry that's not recorded in Luke's account, but the cry uh, that's famous, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even, even in that, that cry, that pained, mournful exclamation, he's trusting as he brings his anguish before God. And as his final prayer here in this passage uh, shows us, he says, uh, into your hands I commit my spirit. Even at the height of this physical, uh, spiritual pain, he trusts. So Jesus experiences physical affliction. He knows what it's like and he shows how to respond. Uh, In uh, the the first passage we had read, we'll just look at it briefly, but we see how Jesus approaches someone who's having uh, an experience of physical pain. Uh, I could have chosen probably any number of of passages, but the man we have in our story has leprosy, um, a, a skin condition that causes lesions and nerve damage and is very infectious. So, uh, people who had it were often outcast from society. And, uh, he comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus heals him. I guess it, uh, having read these stories before, it comes as no surprise to us. We think, of course, Jesus, Jesus heals someone. He's able to heal. He's also willing to heal. But just pause for a moment. He has compassion on this man. Uh, all the man has to do is ask. Jesus isn't too important for him. Jesus isn't disinterested in his kind of tiny example of of suffering here. He's not disgusted by the social stigma that comes with uh, leprosy. He's not scared of of how it might affect him. He's not, oh, I'm the son of God. I have power to calm the waves and so on. I'm not interested in, in, in your story. No, no, Jesus has compassion. Jesus cares. And as the man asks him, uh, is he willing? Jesus is abundantly willing. So how does Jesus' approach to uh, people who are suffering physical pain and his experience of it help us? Well, he allows us to receive hope, mercy, and grace. Hope, mercy, and grace. First, and this is, I guess, the, the big gospel picture, he gives us hope. 
because we know that he will fix all things. This man's healing and other healings Jesus performs throughout his uh, ministry points forward to the fact that Jesus will bring the ultimate solution to all illness and brokenness of the world as he deals with the root cause of it, uh, sin on the cross. And so that's the picture we get of the new creation. No more crying or pain. That's what things will be like when Jesus returns. And so the first and the most important thing, if you've not done this already, is to take that initial step uh, to, to come to him and put your trust in him for the first time. That's the thing that means you can look forward to that new creation. But the fact that, that Jesus was a human, that he suffered, that he knows, that helps us now too, with our deep need in these moments we experience. And as we, as we think about this, I just encourage you really to, to think of your own experience of, I guess, bodily discomfort, of pain. Think of it very tangibly, whether that's a situation in the past that you can recall uh, or whether it's um, happening right now even. Um, or you could imagine a time in the future because this, this time will come uh, upon all of us. Now think of yourself in that situation, in that moment. Because in these moments... We receive mercy when we fail. Because we will fail. Sometimes, many times, we'll fail to trust God. We'll give in to the, I guess, the hatred that builds inside of us when you know, pain overwhelms us. We'll lose hope for a time when it, it just doesn't seem to go away. This, this niggle just keeps coming. We'll question God's goodness or his power at that point. We'll lash out at those around us uh, who we feel are, are to blame or at least not helping us in any way. We'll find ourselves in an inwardly turned kind of funk where we are at the centre of our own miserable suffering when there seems no point to it at all. But knowing that he knows helps us because it makes coming to him for mercy easier. In Hebrews 5, it talks about how the Israelites could come to a human high priest who, well, it says, is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. See, Jesus is able to deal gently with us because he's experienced uh, weakness. I don't know how easily you repent. Um, I don't know how you think of Jesus in the times that you, you come to uh, repent. I wonder if you think of him like a, a disappointed principal at school, perhaps, or a, a scolding parent who sort of shakes his head and you know, I almost expected this of you, and then begrudgingly kind of offers you another chance, one more chance. That's not him. That's not what he's like because he, he knows what it's like. He's experienced it. And as we uh, try to trust him and fall short again and again, he waits to treat us with gentleness as we come to him. He longs to forgive you. From our sympathetic saviour, we receive mercy to help us. But there's, there's more as well. That's, I guess, his mercy. But we also receive grace to help us in our time of need. It's not just that he gives us this sort of free pass that we can keep redeeming. We come, oh, I've done it again. Yeah, free pass, I've done it again, free pass. No, no, he doesn't want us just to keep doing that. He wants to, to change us as well. He wants us to grow. And so how does Jesus, having been there before, help us with that? Well, he gives us strength to persevere. He gives us reason to grow. First, as we live out our trust with Jesus, he, he shows us 
that it's possible to keep trusting through physical affliction. He gives us the example. Think about the situation you're, you're thinking of. What are you tempted to do in that, do you think? Is it to, to lash out? Is it to look, to look inwards, to lose hope? So I wish I'd thought deeply about Jesus as I suffered away with my flu in my own little world. See, he was, he was tempted to lash out, but uh, he was tempted to, to hate others, the injustice of it all, but he, but he trusted God instead. He offered forgiveness. He was tempted to look inwards, to get, get off the cross, to use his status and power for his own benefit, but instead he trusted God. He thought of others. He stayed there for us. He was tempted to lose hope, but instead he committed his spirit into his Father's hands, trusting him. Remember Jesus. He's our inspiration in those moments. So he shows us, but he also, he, he knows what it's like. Jesus' experience means that, that God knows what it's like in these moments. And understanding that changes, I think, how we, how we pray. You're talking to someone who knows. I don't know, when you're going through a crisis, sometimes you call up someone who's had a similar experience and often they'll say, I, I know how you feel. And you think, well, you kind of know how I feel, but kind of it's completely different. But, but Jesus knows. So turn to him quickly. This is what I should have done in my, in my flu experience, spoken to him as someone who knows and cares, not as someone who I assumed had abandoned me. And the fact that he knows changes not just how we pray, but also how we hear him too. We have his words in the Bible, but I don't know if you've ever thought, that these words are sympathetic words. The words he gives us are knowing words. And as we think of a, a sympathetic saviour, a sympathetic God speaking to us, it helps us as we listen to him. Listen to these words uh, from Psalm 22. Um, and even though they were written before uh, Jesus' uh, life, think of them. This is Jesus' Uh, speaking before the time and then experiencing them. Think of them as Jesus experiencing uh, these things. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. See, God spoke these words and he lived them. When he, he speaks them to us, we know they are full of meaning and understanding. When that is my experience, I can cry out like this to God and I can say confidently, do not be far from me. You are my strength. See, our lives are really just a series of opportunities to, to either do what we're made for, trust the God of the universe, or turn in on ourselves and disbelieve him. And the circumstances we find ourselves in, sometimes more intense, sometimes less intense, but the struggles we face, I guess, amplify this opportunity. How does Jesus help us as we face the challenge of physical pain? Well, he's, he's lived through it. And so he doesn't only pay for our sin and so ultimately remove pain from our world, which is, is wonderful, he also gives us what we need to keep trusting him through it right now.
Let's pray. Our dear Father, thanks so much that Jesus did become flesh for us and thank you that his life and his death and his resurrection as a human being means that we can be right with you and that sin and death have been defeated and that uh, pain will be removed. Thank you too that he knows intimately what it's like to experience the struggles we face. Thank you so much that he cares. Uh, Please help us look to him in all our difficulties. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.